And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. What's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast here on a Friday, where I'm sitting in Chicago, an absolutely beautiful Friday, a great way to get the weekend started. Michael Beller sitting in the chair for Derek Van Riper, who is on a very, 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 very extremely well-deserved vacation here. So I'm taking over with Al Melkor to break down this weekend's fantasy baseball waiver wire. Al, it's been a while since I've been on the waiver wire bike. I hope uh, you know <laughs> the training wheels are off. I might need you to hold the back of the seat, though, for a little bit, just so I can get steady. You you know what they say about riding the waiver wire bike. It's like, it, you know, you can always get back on. You can always hop right back on. Well, you know, the the best way to hop back on, especially when we're getting used to it, getting, uh, getting ourselves reaccustomed to it, I think the best way for me to hop back on at least is with Christopher Morell. I'm, I'm diving right in and I'm diving in with Christopher Morell. We'll go shallow bats, deep league bats, pitchers. We'll go into the closer corner. We'll talk about streamers for this upcoming week. But I'm going to start with Christopher Morell. You and I talked with Sahadev Sharma, one of our Cubs beat writers here at The Athletic, about Morell yesterday. He is definitely more of a shallow league bat at this point. But Al, we both came away from that conversation with Sahadev feeling great about Morell's playing time and the fact that David Ross is going to have the green light on for him for the foreseeable future. I mean, to me, this seems like a guy who should be owned. I mean, it's hard to say universally, but in almost any league where Christopher Morell enters your thought process, he should probably be on a team. Yeah, I I think so. I I wouldn't even shy away from saying that Morell is a, is a universal ad because uh, you know, first of all, the things that did get discussed on the show yesterday, like you mentioned, the playing time is not going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stolen bases are going to be there for the foreseeable future. What he has shown so far in a few weeks in the major leagues, all the skills that he showed in the minor leagues, they have translated so far. Now, of course, you know, the, we talk about this all the time that there's there's a game of adjustments that he'll you know certainly cool off at some point. Pitchers will adjust to him. He will be then challenged to to counter adjust. But, you know, I think if nothing else, you figure mm-hmm. there's there's potential there for steals. You could get a whole lot more uh, than just that. And you talk about even 10 team leagues. I mean, everybody needs steals, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I feel like there's reason enough to go after morale even in, in, in 10 team leagues. And he's far from uh, at that level in terms of roster rate. I mean, the roster rates are still pretty modest. So even 12 teamers, uh, there's been some hesitation to pick up mm-hmm. morale. Uh, there's absolutely no reason not to in 12 teamers at this point. Hey, for what it's worth, Al, as you and I are talking, as we're uh, doing this show live, thanks to everyone joining us on YouTube. And uh, for people who are listening to the podcast version of this, uh, Al and I are uh, doing this as the Cubs and Cardinals have gotten our weekend off to a start here. Christopher Morell's one for two with a run scored in that game right now. It's it's for, and I mean, he seems to like if you if you have him, he seems there. A couple of the boxes are filled in every day. Some day it's a run in an RBI, some day it's a run in a steal. But it seems like he does a little bit of something every single day here. And what else we love about Christopher Morell? Al? He seems locked in to that leadoff spot. The Cubs have yes. been searching for an answer in the leadoff spot since Dexter Fowler. 
And they haven't. They've tried Kyle Schwarber there. They've tried Ian Happ there, Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo. They've gone through so many different leadoff men. And since Christopher Morel has made himself a fixture in the lineup, he has been atop this lineup. And I just I don't see David Ross changing that anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, it would take a big slump, but that's a risk that you mm-hmm. take with anybody in you know, pretty much any batting order spot. Maybe a little bit of a shorter leash with Morel because he is still very inexperienced. But yeah, I think that, again, there's such an array of skills there that even if he moves down the order, even if uh, the power dissipates a little bit, even if the steals slow down, there's something there uh, that, that we can use in fantasy. All right, Al, I guess we can't make this the Christopher Morell show only, so let's move on here. Let's talk about Michael Harris, who made the jump straight from double-A to the majors, was raking at the double-A level with the Braves. Five homers, hitting 305, 372, 506, and 196 plate appearances, and now up with the big league club. Where do you find him to be viable right now? Well, what I wrote in the waiver column for this week is that Harris should be picked up in 12-team leagues. There's not really been a lot of activity on that level yet for Harris, which Mm -hmm. frankly surprises me a little bit because whoever the latest uh, top prospect call-up is, I mean, there's always a lot of excitement and activity around that prospect. He's still at or near the top of, of most added lists on the various sites right now, but... Still a, a relatively low roster rate, so I get that that next frontier is the 12-teamers. I don't think that Harris should actually be starting there yet. He's batting at the bottom of the order for Atlanta. He's off to a little bit of a slow start, but it's, it's first of all, very small sample. He's played six games so far. Uh, in those six games, the statistical bag is a mixed one at this point, but you can see some signs of hope. Hitting a lot of ground balls, but the balls he is hitting in the air, he's hitting very hard. So that's a great mm-hmm. sign right off the bat, so to speak. So um, you just but you look at the minor league numbers that you cited. There's potential there. There is upside. So I think that he's somebody that, especially in five out- outfielder leagues, 12-team leagues, needs to be picked up, stashed, see if he moves up the order, see if maybe he can hit with some consistency over the next week or two uh, coming up uh, because you don't want to wait until he has a good week and then you're really having to pay a a premium to get him in fab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that definitely. Uh, you always, if you're going to take a shot on a prospect, you're going to want to be a week early rather than a week late because we know what a big difference that can make. And we'll be talking about another such player a little bit later in the show. But for now, let's get to the guy who has been a huge part of one of the funniest stories uh, that we've seen this entire season. The only time you've ever wanted to hear about anyone else's fantasy football league is if it involves Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham, and Mike Trout. And Jock Peterson is the guy we bring up here. Al, I'm surprised we're able to bring him up. This this is a guy who's been hitting for a ton of power this season. He's got 12 homers. He's slugging 583. He's getting on base with that 340 OBP, the K rate, way down compared with previous career norms. This feels like a guy who should have graduated from a waiver wire discussion, and yet here we are on June 3rd talking about Jack Peterson. Yeah, well, I think some of that may just be because of, first of all, the Giants and how they use players and mm-hmm. platooning a lot of spots. And Peterson's been a platoon player in a, a number of situations that he that he's been in. So that's always a little bit of a risk week to week is how much is he going to play? But you know, right now he's just on just an incredible heater. So, uh, you know, it might be a little bit of a shorter term play than uh, what you might think, given those overall numbers that you were just citing. But who knows? I mean, uh, we certainly know that Peterson has that ability to hit for power, um, you know, in a good lineup. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, I don't know. He's necessarily somebody that you're never going to drop from here forward, but definitely needs to be in 12 teamers and probably 10 teamers uh, for the time being. 
this is another guy who got some run as a Cubs leadoff man in recent That's years. Right. He wasn't able to stick in. The Cubs did give him some run as a not just a platoon guy, as a guy against lefties. It didn't quite work out uh, as well as you would have hoped if you want him to be that long-term fixture of a fantasy lineup. So some you're going to keep your eye on, but I mean, if he can keep mashing to this degree, I think you'll be happy with it, even if he does get uh, the bench against lefties going forward. So a guy who uh, who can provide power in a year where that's proving to be harder to come by than what we've seen in recent years. And I think we can say the same about our next guy, Trey Mancini, a guy who has been a fantasy fixture in years past and has fallen off a little bit from there. But the pop we know for Mancini is always something that you can rely on when he's going good. It's for real, at least. When he's connecting with the ball, the pop is for real. And he finds his way into both your waiver column and our waiver discussion here today. Yeah, and there's a couple of reasons why I included Mancini in the column. And while it's relevant to think about him, uh, as one of your your ads. And I think we're talking about 12-teamers here because he's not likely to be available elsewhere. But mm-hmm. first of all, though, I just really like the Orioles' schedule this week. A uh, couple of games at home against the Cubs. They'll face uh, Cal Hendricks and Keegan Thompson. Now, Keegan Thompson's, uh, I think, going to be the, the toughest starter they face this week. But then... Uh, That's a good for- schedule. No offense, Keegan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then they go to KC and, uh, you know, some really, really favorable matchups against the Royals there. Uh, so I just I like that schedule for the Orioles. And on top of that, the Orioles as a team, they've actually been hitting pretty well lately. They're kind of middle of the pack offensively, which, again, you know, that's it's not great, but better than I was certainly expecting. I think probably better mm-hmm. than a lot of us think about when we think about the, the Orioles lineup. So Mancini hitting near the top of that lineup uh, around some other hitters that are going very well right now. There's run production uh, possibilities and also an opportunity for a real fab bargain with Mancini because because as you alluded to, Michael, the power hasn't been there for him so far this year, but the underlying power indicators are mm-hmm. still there. He's still, you know, barrel rate is right where it's been year in and year out. The uh, velocity numbers, exit velocity numbers are what you would expect from Trey Mancini. So it seems like he's gotten a bit of a raw deal through the first couple of months. So it, you know, it might just be great timing that he's going to have some really good matchups. Uh, the, the indicators suggest he should be hitting for more power anyway. I think the X slugging is something like in the upper 500s right now mm-hmm. for him. So, uh, you know, before maybe it becomes more apparent that he can still hit for power when he has some of these good matchups. Pick up Mancini now should be pretty, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't really cost you much in your, your 12-team leagues. From one Oriole to another, we discuss Austin Hayes now, a guy who I assume part of this is the same, Al, that yeah. the matchups are good for him, but also a guy who's just swinging the bat pretty well uh, so so far. 302, 373, 453 on the season. Another guy who feels like he should be getting a little bit more attention in shallow leagues than he's been getting to this point. Yeah, and that, again, just sort of like with Mancini, that's likely where you're able to still add Hayes, but a worthy add, again, hitting right in the middle of uh, the Orioles lineup. Um, you've got Mancini, Santander, uh, Mountcastle, you know, all bunched up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rutschman need, still needs to get going, but you've got a lot of hitters that have really been been locked in lately. So it's, yeah, like you said, same story for Austin Hayes. Available in some shallower leagues. Uh, he's been going really well and uh, a really favorable schedule this week. All right, let's talk about someone who is not going to give you much power, but is going to get on base quite a bit. Luis Arise. I mean, what a fascinating line this guy is putting up so far this season. It's not often that you get a guy who is nearly 200 plate appearances into his season 
with a 429 OBP and a 392 slug. If we see someone who's got 35 more points of on-base percentage than slug, it's usually like a 100 OBP and a 65 slug, like a pitcher who happened to draw a walk back when pitchers used to hit. But Arise is going to play a ton. He's going to get on base, 13% walk rate versus an 8.5% strikeout rate. Uh, no, no homers, no steals, but there's value in a guy who can get on base like this. Yeah, there absolutely is. Uh, so he's a bit of a categorical play. Uh, you certainly, mm-hmm. uh, if you need a little bit of help in batting average, you're, you're going to be hard-pressed to find somebody who's going to help you more than Luis Arias is, hitting uh, pretty consistently at the top of the Twins lineup. So there's some runs to be scored there. Uh, so a very specific appeal that he has, but he, you know he'll, he serves a need that a lot of us have. And hey, with uh, the Twins in Toronto this weekend, He's not one of the guys on the restricted list. So very good to know uh, that Luis Rise uh, taking care of business, taking care of himself. Uh, very good that he is in the lineup for the Twins this weekend with the team in Toronto. One more uh, shallow league bat to talk about, and it's a guy in the same series, Danny Jansen. Let's uh, get into Danny Jansen. Where does he fit into this uh, fantasy shallow bat picture for you, Al? I think, you know, when we talk about shallow bats for catchers, I mean, we are talking one catcher league. So I think that's, mm-hmm. it's relevant here. I It might be a shorter term play with Danny Jansen. I mean, he's just, he's red hot heading for a ton of power. He's not getting maybe quite as consistent, uh, a consistent number of starts as you would like to see. Uh, and I think for me, yeah. that's part of what makes me hedge a little bit about talking about him as a uh, one catcher league catcher. But I think given that uh, you're, you're seeing the power from him, Great lineup, obviously, that he's hitting in when he is playing. Mm-hmm. That uh, let's say that you want to give Rutschman a, a breather uh, in your one catcher league until he he kind of picks things up there. Jansen's a great short term replacement, and you know who knows? Maybe there's there's there will be more to it than just that. And some good news for the Blue Jays, too, in this series. Uh, just uh, getting the lineup here, if you're watching us live, and George Springer, who has missed the last two games with an illness, a non-COVID illness, back in the lineup, back atop the lineup for the Blue Jays tonight against the Twins. So uh, feel uh, free and good about firing up George Springer in any uh, leagues where you are making changes heading into the weekend. Let's make some changes with some deeper league bats out. And let's start with Ramon Arias. Uh, where is he getting into the picture for you? Uh, deep leagues. And I mean, when I say deep, I'm talking 14, 15 teams. This is somebody that I, if my memory is serving me correctly, I wrote about a lot prior to the season. He was definitely somebody I was looking for to draft. I drafted him in a lot of leagues. Then I dropped Rios in a lot of leagues, even fit the 15 teamers because he just mm-hmm. didn't do a whole lot in April. But the last couple of weeks, he's really turned it on. Uh, Rios has been red hot. And so you take that and then you add in all the things that we said about Austin Hayes and Trey Mancini. Great schedule yep. coming up. Uh, great opportunity for uh, Arias to just continue on this hot streak that he's been on. And again, maybe there is more to it than just this because he did show some decent power last year, which was part of the reason that I liked him coming mm-hmm. into this year. I don't think playing time is going to be any sort of issue for him for the foreseeable future. So uh, at least for the coming week, a good week to, to pick him up and uh, maybe look for, for even more down the road. Yeah, Orioles, like you said, Al, has been just a, a little bit better offensively than a team that you know we already are writing off as um, a playoff contender this season, and with good reason. It's not just about the division they're in; they wouldn't be really much of a playoff contender in any division. Uh, but they've they've got some guys who who we've always been interested in in the fantasy world, and, and they're going pretty good right now. So, an interesting team to take a look at. A different sort of bad team uh, from the fantasy perspective, and Ramon Arias uh, is a guy who is adding to that. Cincinnati Reds, not. 
not exactly a different sort of bad team, although they haven't been nearly as bad as their dreadful start to the season. And Kyle Farmer going pretty good of late. Uh, had a uh, hitting streak, a 10-game hitting streak snapped just a couple of days ago, but then got right back in the horse 3-for-7 over his last two games, including a homer against the Nationals uh, on Thursday. So this is someone who uh, can play multiple positions, obviously sticking at shortstop for the Reds, and the glove's going to play, the glove's going to keep him in the lineup, and now the bat doing some work as well. Yeah, and there's, I mean, he is on a bit of, of a heater right now, so there's that element to, to his fantasy appeal. But I think it's just more that over the last couple of seasons, we've seen Kyle Farmer, somebody who who can hit for for moderate power. Mm-hmm. He's he's getting playing time. He can be a compiler, even though he tends to hit towards the bottom third of the of the Reds lineup. But uh, nobody that's really exciting, and so I think he gets overlooked. But by the same token, somebody who does just enough that I think he's a bit under rostered definitely needs to be rostered in 15 teamers. So mm-hmm. it's just the kind of thing that uh, every week we need to bring in maybe one or two players in those 15 team leagues because there's somebody out with an injury or they've been demoted or, or whatever. And, and, you know, just consider farmer as that, that kind of end of the roster bat who, mm-hmm. uh, who can, can plug in some good numbers for you. And you know what? We, we don't think about defense really in the fantasy world, but defense does have a role to play in that defense can keep someone in the lineup. Yeah. And you're talking about a deep league, middle infielder, sometimes just a volume of at-bats is what you are looking for. Obviously, you want to see some underlying uh, numbers that can support a, a level of production that's not just going to crush your batting average or your OPP, whatever your league might use. And you do have that with Farmer, but you also have the glove that is going to certainly keep him in the lineup. And this is not just a, oh, he's on the Reds. Who else are they going to play situation? The guy can really glove it out there. And, and so he's going to play. He is definitely going to play for the Reds. And sometimes that does a whole lot of work for you with those deep league middle infielders. Kyle Farmer, a guy who uh, definitely should be getting some love for that glove and the bat <laughs> on the waiver wire this week. How about uh, Evan Longoria, a guy who just remains in our fantasy lives here? Al, where are you looking at him uh, for uh, deeper fantasy leagues? Where do you think he, he's va- uh, viable? Is this 14-15? I mean, what are you looking at? Uh, definitely 14-15. He's still available in some of those leagues. I think he's on the cusp of being relevant in 12 teamers meaning you know he's somebody that you can look up look look at and weigh him against your other options um i actually i going into this this current week i have a 12 teamer with mm-hmm. manny machado with third base and he did wind up playing but if you recall over the weekend he was questionable right. and i picked up longoria just as insurance so that's good when i say on the cusp that's sort of what i mean is that uh you know he could fill in for uh your, your injured third baseman if you do have one or uh you know just some somebody that might make their way into your lineup or just might be somebody that you stream off the bench mm-hmm. i'm never completely uh confident about longoria's playing time again the giants yeah. it's a giants, giants. thing but mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's hitting. I mean, he missed a couple of days earlier this week, but he's back in the lineup. So that's not really a concern going forward. But, you know, already five home runs for him in just 60 plate appearances. And we, we saw the the return of, uh, of some power hitting for Longoria. So we saw that in 2021. So, you know, here, as long as he's playing, you may not necessarily get the batting average, but you're, you're going to get uh, uh, it's probably some steady power and some steady run production from Longoria. Age 36 season, but until last year, health was never a question 
for Longoria. I mean, you can maybe ding him a little bit for 2018 and 2019, but we're talking about a guy who was already into his mid-30s playing 125 and 129 games, getting more than 500 plate appearances. Like, I- I'm not going to ding a guy for that. you got to assume, as guys get into their mid and late 30s, that there's going to be some injury, and there obviously has been for him this season as well. But uh, the production's been there when he's been healthy, and the health is really... I would say as little of a question as it could be for a guy who's in his age 36 season. And that's where we're at with Evan Longoria. So if you're looking for some help at third, looking for some help at the corners, good lineup, a team that is once again getting overshadowed. That's just going to be the case when you play in a division with the Dodgers and now the the Padres who are once again doing what we expect them to do. It happened in the first half last season. That obviously tapered off. It's happening in the first half again this season, even without Fernando Tatis. So the Giants getting overshadowed once again out west. But Evan Longoria still doing his thing, doing some good work for the Giants, can do some good work for you if you were able to snag him off the waiver wire this week. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. How about one of my favorites, also a guy out west, David Peralta, a guy who I've always stood by, a guy who I recently grabbed to fill in for some ailing outfielders. And, you know, sort of similar to what we're talking about with Longoria, right? I mean, the rates haven't been great this season, but the power's been there. He's going to play every day. He's going to hit in the middle of that Arizona order. It's an Arizona team that's been better than expected. David Peralta's not winning you your league, but he can give you some nice stats here if you use him in the interim. Yeah, and he's really widely available. Everything you just said there, Michael, is is uh, a good part of an argument to go and try to add Peralta. I don't think he's quite 12-team relevant yet, but the, the way that he wound up uh, in the waiver column this week was that I was looking at a leaderboard that uh, compares last year's stats to this year's stats on Fangraphs. You should check mm-hmm. it out. The I think it's called the Season Stack Grid. And no, and by a pretty big margin too, nobody has increased their uh, average launch angle more than David Peralta has this year. Interesting. Yeah, really interesting. And I mean, so this is somebody who's always kind of leaned a little bit towards being a ground ball hitter. That is out the window this year. He's gone extreme fly ball uh, and yeah, showing up in the power stats. I mean, he's on pace to have one of his best, if not his best seasons in terms of power and uh, driving and runs. Um, mm-hmm. The run total, I... Worked. I talked about this a little bit in the waiver column. That was a little bit fluky. He hasn't scored a lot of runs, but in spite of not having scored a lot of runs, he's still been a top 50 outfielder up to this, this point, and he could be even better going forward. So definitely somebody that's got to be in all the deeper leagues and maybe mm-hmm. at least on the watch list for 12-teamers. Driving home that point Al made about the increased fly ball rate last year, David Peralta, eight homers and 538 plate appearances. This year, eight homers and 176 plate appearances so a guy that I don't know I also like take a lot of stock out when we see a guy 
in you know age 34 season for David Peralta, been around the block a few times in the majors, has dealt with injury, has come back from you know very interesting story. Obviously, when he first got back into the majors at age 26. Um, it's a, a guy who can make those adjustments at this stage of his career. Like that is a you know very clear focus. Uh, that's not happening by accident. And the guy who can make that sort of adjustment, who can go into the lab, who can say, you know, what's worked for me, obviously he's had some monster seasons. What worked for me three, four years ago, it's not working anymore. And to reinvent himself on the fly, a guy who proved he could do that in a big, big way when he first got to the majors with Arizona, now doing it once again eight years later, that's impressive. And it's something that I think we should think is foundational enough to stick around for a guy who's got this sort of track record, a guy who is a veteran. Definitely give him a lot of credit for being able to do that and think that this can have some staying power. This isn't just a two-month stretch where he happens to be having what turns out to be his best two-month stretch of the season. So certainly like to see that. We talk about the glove playing with Kyle Farmer and keeping him in Cincinnati's lineup. Glove's always going to play for Kevin Kiermeyer, so you know he's going to be in there. And Al, this is just like a rite of passage. I'm so happy that the episode that I'm sitting in for DVR is a Kevin Kiermeyer episode because at some point, in every Major League Baseball season, you are going to talk about Kevin Kiermeyer as a waiver wire deep league fantasy ad. So here we are doing the Kevin Kiermeyer thing. What makes him interesting to you right now? Well, he's here really because of David Peralta, because when I did that leaderboard search right behind him, or maybe not right behind him, but, you know, uh, just rubbing next, elbows, next, same next neighborhood. Time, yeah, uh, was was <laughs> Kevin Kiermeyer. So a little bit of a different story there because mm-hmm. uh as opposed to, to Peralta, where he's really just showing a completely different profile than we've ever seen from him. For yep. for Kiermaier, you know, you say that there's always some point where we talk about him. That's not really been the case in 2020 and in 2021. Uh, so this is like a return to the the, the 20 teens for Kevin Kiermaier. <laughs> Somebody who, you know, as return long as he stays healthy, could give you a little bit of power, give you some steals, you know, 15-15, 15-10 season, very yep. much in reach this year. Uh, and yeah, so it's kind of a, a return uh, to old, but he has managed to stay healthy so far this year. So that's mm-hmm. a plus and, you know, knock on wood that that, that continues for him because, uh, as long as he can, can stay healthy and stay in the lineup and maintain this profile, he's going to be that kind of player who can contribute, you know, in a lot of different places. He leads off against righties, can produce some runs, uh, good lineup, of course. So there's a lot to like about Kiermaier and he's, he's available just about everywhere. A platoon guy too, right? I mean, yeah. they, they, they've seen two lefties this week. He did not play in either of those games, but when he plays, he leads off. And so there's going to be a lot of value in that, right? I mean, no matter what team we're talking about, and this is a, a Rays team that, once again, just doing that Rays thing, sitting at 30 and 21, and you look at the names and it's like, how does this make sense? But that's what the Rays are. That's what the Rays do. One more deep league bat we want to get to, Hal, and this is a guy who I alluded to a little bit earlier, Vinny. Pasquintino, another guy you and I talked about on yesterday's edition of this podcast with Alec Lewis, our Royals beat writer. And we asked Alec, is there anything, anything you can give us on when Pasquintino might be up? And the short answer to that was no, not really. (laughs) Go listen to the full episode if you want a little bit more nuance to it than that. Alec, obviously, on the ground with the Royals, Vez knows that team very, very well. So he gave us a whole lot more than that short version. But that's what we have right now. Pasquantino just earlier today named the uh, uh, minor league player of the month uh, in the International League after just a ridiculous month. 12 homers in the month of May for Pasquantino. So, Al, I'm sure you and DVR have talked about this. We're waiting. We're trying to get the timing right. Is now the week? Are you comfortable? We don't know what the deal is. Are you comfortable grabbing him and stashing him now, knowing that it might be a week, two weeks, three weeks, who knows, before we see Pasquantino up in the majors? 
I think that now is the time. And I think back to a few weeks back when we were asking similar questions about Nolan Gorman. What does this guy mm-hmm. have to do? All he does is hit home runs. And uh, I went and picked him up in my 12-teamer that week. And then it was the next week that he came up. And it's partly because of that conversation with Alec that I felt like he was worth discussing here. Because, again, you, you pretty much you know gave the, the synopsis of, of what Alec had to say. But he sort of agreed with us that it's like... There's there's no legitimate reason at this point right. for Pasquantino to be playing in AAA. So you figure at some point that uh, you know reason has to has to win out, <laughs> and uh, you know again better to add Pasquantino now than a week, two weeks, three weeks from now. Uh, you know when maybe it's it's either too late or or just much more costly to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And we know that is. I mean, that is a if he's sitting on a league when he gets sitting on a waiver wire, excuse me, in a league. When he gets called up, things are going to shoot through the roof. So now is not a bad time. If you feel like you've got a roster spot to play with, I understand not everyone's going to be able to just grab and stash for a guy who we really still don't know. We know what's going to happen. We just don't know exactly when. If you do have that space, this is a guy who can make a huge difference for you. And once he gets the call, he's playing every day. Playing time's not going to be a concern for Pasquantino. We've seen some guys with some big names get called up and flop and have to go back down to the minors. None of us can say that that won't be the case with Pasquantino. But he's going to have every opportunity to play every single day until he proves to the Royals that he needs to get sent back down once he is up. And who's to say that that is ever going to happen? So definitely a good time to get in on Vinny Pasquantino. Let's flip things over to the mound, Al, and let's talk about Shane Baz here. Now, obviously, we know what the deal's been with Baz so far this season with the injuries, but what do you think? Where does he fit into this fantasy picture right now? Well, he, where he fits in is that he is eligible to return on June 6th, so that that is Monday. It uh, doesn't necessarily mean that he will be activated on Monday, but he's mm-hmm. made three very, very good rehab starts and the next start he makes could be with the Rays. And if not that one, then probably the one after. So Boz is really widely, uh, widely rostered. So it's not like, you you know, I mean, can't hurt to look, but Mm -hmm. definitely do not expect like in your 14 teamer to go on waivers and think that Shane Boz is just going to be sitting there. 10 teamer. He should be there. 12 teamer. Maybe you get lucky. So certainly in the shallower leagues, it's worth your while to at least check waivers. And if he is out there, you absolutely have to be aggressive in trying to add Boz to your rotation because um, there may not, probably won't be another chance to do it after this week. And mm-hmm. he is just one of those impact pitchers that yeah. could, you know, go from being on waivers to being your, you know, maybe your number two starter uh, rest of season. Oh, all right. Well, then I'm gonna, let me follow up there. I mean, obviously, you're talking about best case scenario, Shane Boz, but you know, yeah. people are obviously maybe thinking about making some moves as well in the trade market, not just on the waiver wire. So if you had just gut feeling uh, top 35 starting pitcher over or under Shane Boz, once he's activated, where do you see him going? Yeah, that's a great place to put the line. Uh, I mean, I did say it could be a number two, so uh-huh. I, that that's the upside. But yeah, I think I, so I'll because I do think he has a potential. I'll, I'll take the over on it. There you go, Shane Boz, a guy who could be very interesting for us once he gets uh, back up with the Rays, which should be sooner rather than later. How about Edward Cabrera, Al, another guy who uh, who, who uh, has uh, become a pretty interesting pitcher to look at here. A really good AAA run this season, made five starts at the AAA level, dealing with walks but also striking out a ton of guys, got himself up to the uh, Marlins and uh, got himself at least back to the Marlins, made one start so far, and uh, again, same sort of thing. Struck out a lot of dudes in that start, walked a lot of dudes in that start. Where does he factor in for you? 
Well, you know, and just uh, one more thing about that start. It was at Coors Field. So, yep. you know, definitely uh, some some extra points for degree of difficulty for that one. Just gave up a C.J. Crone single. But kind of what you were describing, Michael, he hit two batters, walked four batters. So that that seems like a little microcosm of what Edward Cabrera has done in the minors, what we probably should expect from him to do in the Marlins rotation. So if you're good in, in ERA and whip, but uh, you're bringing up the rear in terms of strikeouts, this is your guy. But I, mm-hmm. I think that Cabrera is worth picking up in 12 teamers. I would not pick him up with the expectation that you set him and forget him. I think mm-hmm. you got to uh, pick your spots. I think if you've got a, a good a good lineup, a, a lineup full of patient hitters, could be a short outing for Cabrera. But, mm-hmm. you know, if he could do like he did against Colorado and work around those uh, those base runners, and he could do that because, uh, you know, he, he's got great stuff and he mm-hmm. can miss bats. So uh, won't start for you every week, but. Probably more often than not, he would. Now, let's take a quick pause on the pitchers and take this question from Joker Jokic. Nikola Jokic watching our show, taking a, pa- a break from being uh, back-to-back NBA MVP to uh, watch some fantasy baseball and talk with us. Any long-term concerns about Jake Cronenworth here? Been an albatross for the Joker in his 12-team Roto Redraft League. Not many great second-base options. What are you thinking on Cronenworth right now if he's on one of your rosters? Yeah, I that that's a good question because he's a player that I did have some concerns about coming into this year just because there's not a a ton of raw power there. So mm-hmm. you're really looking for Cronenworth to hit for average, get on base, produce some runs, and if he's not doing that, there's there's probably just not a lot of value. So in a 12 teamer, I, I get what uh, you know what the situation is here. You might not have a better alternative out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, he, I think he's droppable in a 12 teamer and I think you could, yeah. you know, stream somebody like a Ramon Urias for a week and yeah. then make, uh, the, the longer term issue next week's problem. Yeah. I wonder if there's a chance that he would lose any playing time when Fernando Tatis returns also. That's I mean, a, that's an I, I wouldn't point. Th- like, he wouldn't be my, if I were managing the Padres, he wouldn't be the first guy who I would cut playing time away from when Tatis comes back, but he's gotta be in the discussion. And I'm not managing the Padres, right? Maybe, maybe that will be the first move. What's, that what's is up made. with that, Michael? I don't know, man. I, I submitted a resume. I thought I was a really good candidate, <laughs> and I'm still just here talking about Jake Cronenworth rather than managing Jake Cronenworth. It's unbelievable. But anyway, I think that's that is going to be something to think about when Fernando Tatis does get back in the field. So thank you for your question, Joker Jokic, and anyone else watching. If you have any questions, Al and I will be here for a little bit longer, going through the rest of the guys we're looking at on the wire. So. Feel free to drop those questions into the chat. Spencer Strider, Al, definitely someone who we need to talk about here. Is this fantasy baseball's most valuable non-closing reliever? Not anymore, because he's in the rotation now. So <laughs> found a way to wiggle out of that question. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so he's uh, going to get another shot this weekend. Made uh, one start uh, earlier this week. Uh, not a great line, by the way, uh, for him against the Diamondbacks. Gave up a three-run homer in the first inning to Paven Smith. That kind of ruined ruined the line for him. But overall, a, a much better start than the, the stats mm-hmm. would indicate. And then he's pitching in Colorado this weekend. So it's kind of a weird situation. Situation, right, because if he doesn't do well and he's out there on waivers, you think, okay, well, is, is this course is this the course effect, or is Strider just not maybe as valuable as the starter as he was in the bullpen? I would lean towards you know giving him a lot of benefit of the doubt. Like I said, that Arizona start was better than the stats look. A start in Colorado, unless it's completely abysmal, I do think you have to give uh, give Strider the benefit of the doubt there. And if he does well, well, then you know I think be prepared to to go a little extra. Mm-hmm. 
in fab this weekend because uh, if the numbers even partially translate from what he did in the bullpen, this is somebody who's going to give you strikeouts, give you great ratios, and, and be really valuable. Yeah, definitely a guy who, regardless of what the role is, the rest of the season should be on teams. And basically, I would say, I would venture to say the the vast majority of fantasy leagues. Al, one more pitcher to talk about here before we get to the streamers. I want to believe that you did this for me, buddy. It's like you knew I was going to be on for you (laughs) because Ross Stripling over the years has been someone who I've loved going back to. Love going back to him. Hasn't always worked out for me. But here we find him once again in a waiver wire discussion. Where are you adding Ross Stripling this weekend? Uh, 12 teamers, 12 teamers. And I mean, he's available in most mixed leagues at this point. So I can, it's not just 12 teamers. I'm definitely going to look to, uh, to be adding Stripley in my 15 teamers. Uh, he's out there in the, in those leagues, but, uh, with Hunjin Ryu out, he is back in the Blue Jays rotation. And unlike in some of our past conversations, Michael, I am now with you on, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on Team Stripling because it took like this. Three years. Yeah. Well, I mean, before, what, what I always say, oh, he gives up too many home runs. Well, he's been a lot better with that so far this year. Not a lot mm-hmm. of home runs. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure what the, the explanation is behind it, but his four seamer, uh, which, you know, he relies pretty heavily on. It's just it's it's become much more of a ground ball pitch this year. So uh, you know, with that problem seemingly out of the way, uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm all in on Stripling. And this week, I mean, it doesn't get much better than this. Two road starts uh, filling in for for Ryu. The first one at Kansas City. The second Beautiful. one at Detroit. Beautiful. Love a trip. I mean, who do, who doesn't love a trip through the AL Central? Kansas City, <laughs> Detroit, a banged up White Sox team. It's freaking beautiful. Gotta love that AL Central. Uh, one question here from Disco Dave before we get to streamers for the week ahead. When Dylan Carlson comes off the IL, would you drop which one of these guys uh, for him? Uh, the guys we talked about earlier in the show, Christopher Ooh. Morell or Michael Harris? Definitely not Morell. Uh, Can't I, drop Morell right now. No, no, no. Um, that's a tough one for me. I think, I do think, I mean, before I said that, you gotta bench Harris and see how he does. There's so much upside there. No, no, but no, you can yeah, make no bench. Same- no bench for Disco Dave. Right. Well, so I'm, yeah. So basically what I'm getting at here is that you do have to choose between him and Carlson. I do think you have to give Carlson a little bit more benefit of the doubt yeah. here. So it's a really tough call, but that's what I would do. So you're ranking these three guys, Morell, Carlson, Harris. That is correct. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, let's talk some streamers, Al, for the week ahead. Let's get into shallow league streamers. Start with Garrett Whitlock. What do you like about him? 
Uh, I mean, I just, I, I like the performance so far. I am a little bit concerned because as a starter, he's not been getting the swing and miss to the same degree as he did in the bullpen, but still he's been pretty effective. And uh, you know, this is another, uh, what should be a two start week for, for Whitlock. And now mm-hmm. Waka, Michael Waka has got uh, the Monday start against the angels. So he looks very safe in the seven game week to get two starts uh, at the angels. And then at the Mariners, Whitlock pitching on Tuesday should get, both of those uh, same assignments. I mean, obviously, again, you have to think about if there's, you know, a, a postponement of a game or something, you know, th- that obviously is a little bit dicier when you're relying on that Sunday start. But uh, even with one start, I like Whitlock. I like him even a lot better with a second start at Seattle. Dakota Hudson looks like he's lined up for a couple of starts this coming week at Tampa, home for Cincinnati. That's uh, not a bad drive, even though we uh, talked up Tampa a little bit earlier when we were talking about Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah, I, and you know it's good that they're going to be facing the Reds in St. Louis. So I think that that for me definitely swings the pendulum a little bit in Hudson's favor. Now this would have been uh, maybe a different discussion if it were DVR because it seems like anytime the topic of Dakota Hudson comes up, he he's very skeptical, <laughs> and I am too in most cases. But like you said, Michael, this is a it's a decent two step. Uh, so I think just for volume, it's it's a it's a good play. And then how about Jeffrey Springs? Is this a last hurrah situation for him? If he even gets that hurrah? Have we already seen the last hurrah for Jeffrey Springs? Because when Boz is back up and back in the rotation, it it seems likely that he's the guy who gets the boot. I would think so. Uh, And it's a shame because Springs has really been awfully good. And maybe the other scenario I could see is Ryan Yarbrough going to the bullpen. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's not any of the other. It's not McClanahan, obviously. It's not Rasmus and it's not Kluber. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So, you know, if if you are counting on Jeffrey Springs, a lot of people have picked him up in the past week. So if you're one of those folks, maybe you're you're you've become anti Ryan Yarbrough and you're hoping maybe he goes to the bullpen. But I I think it's worth talking about because Springs is a top or near the top of, of a lot of the most added lists. And I do think he's a risk to go to the bullpen where. He, he earlier in the season, he had been very good, very effective, but obviously not as much fantasy value in that role. So I would actually shy away from Springs, even though you know mm-hmm. he's got a chance maybe to make at least one start this week. Uh, and that would be uh, either uh, the Cardinals or the Twins. Yep. But yeah, I, I he would be a low priority for me. I really do worry that he's going to lose a spot. Home for St. Louis if he gets in there. More likely lined up to be at Minnesota, but that's something that we'll have to watch. And if you're putting those claims in this weekend, maybe one that you don't necessarily go after. We got a question here from Red Letter Day, Al. This is uh, referring back to Kyle Farmer, who we talked about at length earlier in the show. So Red Letter, if you missed that uh, question, uh, go ahead and you can listen back to the podcast. And we did a lot about Kyle Farmer. But let's talk. Th- take that second part of the question there, Al. When Anthony Rendon comes back, if you don't have an obvious spot, like are you keeping Farmer? Are you finding a way to keep him? Or is this just get Rendon back in there and Farmer is sort of the odd man out? Honestly, it's pro- I'm probably letting Farmer go, but it, it has to, you know, obviously it does have to do with what your other drop options are yep. because I do think that Farmer gets, gets overlooked and that he is somebody who can contribute uh, in, in a lot of different ways. But yeah, given that that is kind of the guy that he is, and that's, I even described him that way. Like he's the, your back of the roster guy. So uh-huh. <laughs> if you're bringing Rendon back, then, you know, it would probably stand to reason that most likely that, that farmer is going to be your best drop option. Yeah. Sometimes you just are happy with what you got out of the guy when your regular was on the IL and you say, 
Thanks so much. We'll get you a playoff share, and that will be that. Uh, let's talk about some medium league streams here, Al. We've got Michael Walker and Tyler Wells. How do you rank them against one another if you can only have one, and what do you like about them this week? Well, this this is a tough one just because Waka, as I mentioned before, he's got the two starts, and it's pretty much a, a gimme that he'll, he'll get both uh, at the Angels mm-hmm. at Seattle uh, because he's going to be making the Monday start. Wells is just lined up for one start this week. Um, but even with that said, that one start is at Kansas city and I just trust, I trust Wells more. They've got, they've got very similar profiles, mm-hmm. not a lot of strikeouts, uh, fly ball pitchers, Wells in particular. And this is something that I pointed out in the, the column this week. Uh, Wells leads the major leagues in terms of launch angle on fly balls. So a lot, not, you know, it's too bad that pop-outs don't, they don't rate a category in fantasy mm-hmm. because if so, Tyler Wells will be a stud. Uh, but in real baseball, I mean, a pop-up is basically as good as a strikeout. It's an automatic out. And yeah. Wells has been getting a ton of those. So while you're not going to be rewarded with strikeouts in fantasy, you will definitely be rewarded in ERA and whip. It's a great matchup. Um, Walk is definitely the, you know, the, the bigger reward play with two starts, but Probably, obviously yep. bigger, you know, bigger chance of him blowing up. I don't really love that Angels matchup yeah. too much for him. So Wells is the safer play. I, I feel like that's one that's going to pay off for you um, if you pick them up. All right. The deep league stream includes Connor Pilkington and Mitch White. Same question as with the medium league streamers. Who do you like better if you could only have one and how do you uh, measure them just on their own merit this week? Uh, I I would maybe give a slight edge to Pilkington here. There's really a a lot of strikeout potential for him. Uh, You know, I mean, they they both uh, have some appeal in their own way, uh, but uh, both lining up for two starts. So Pilkington, uh, this is a really great double dip. I think this is another thing that goes in Pilkington's favor uh, at home against Texas and then at home against Oakland. And then it's about as good as it gets. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to beat that. Could really be a lot of strikeouts across those two games. Uh, and then Mitch White, it's road starts at the White Sox. That's pretty nice. And then at San Francisco, I think that one's a little, a little tougher and also not necessarily uh, going to get that second one also depends on when Clayton Kershaw might come back. So I just, I think Pilkington's a safer bet for two starts His two starts would be better matchups. And I think he's got a uh, better strikeout potential. So yeah, Pilkington for me. <laughs> um, a couple more questions uh, for us. Well, actually first one's just a comment, sarcastic and fun. That sounds fun. Like Springs better than Yarbrough. Thanks for watching, sarcastic and fun. And then Forrest has this question for us. Forgetting the catcher thing, is Var- Dalton Varsho a better player for you than Josh Rojas? Yeah. I would tend me. to agree with that. Yeah. I mean, what a what a combo. What a combo of a player that you're getting. I've got, I went, I went heavy on Dalton Varsho in uh, my home league because of the catcher thing, uh, but this is better than I was expecting. That power-speed combo has just been a whole lot of fun uh, for him right now. Let's wrap things up with the closer corner. Al, let's start with Joan Duran. What are we thinking about him going into uh, this weekend here? Well, I, you know, it's been a lot. It feels like it's been a long, long time since we've had a closer situation that we could get really excited about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still kind of feeling that way, but in shallower leagues uh, where Duran uh, is likely available, I think that it's time to, to take the plunge with him because uh, I think he's definitely getting the edge over Emilio Pagan. Pagan just coming off of a blown save. Um, also so out if, this weekend in Toronto. So uh, an opportunity right. for Duran. 
yeah, so that very good point there. Good thing to to keep in mind too for daily leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I think you know probably he's the the closer at least in shallower leagues that you mm-hmm. could really take a look at uh, this week. Yeah, and then also for what it's worth, and it should be worth a lot because our beat writers are there with these teams every single day. Aaron Gleeman, who covers the Twins for us, was with us on this very show a couple of weeks ago, and this was this was when the Twins were still like, ah, who is it? And they were still mixing and matching a ton at the back end of the bullpen, and he was totally committed. He was, I mean, there was no no uh, equivocation in his voice. He said for sure, Juwan Duran eventually is the closer for this team this season. And so maybe we're seeing that start to happen right here and right now. How about the situation in Detroit, Al? How are you looking at this? I mean, the last three saves have all gone to Gregory Soto. So seems like he is the guy. But obviously, everything that's not nailed down could be on the trade block in Detroit. So what are you looking at here? Well, that's a, that's a really good angle to look at this from because going back a few weeks uh, where it looked like Soto might have been on the verge of losing the job, I picked up Will Vest in a few leagues. And then pretty shortly after that, he went on the I.L., uh, but yeah, maybe it's going to be a while before Vest or Andrew Chafin or, or you know whoever might else mm-hmm. sees that job is going to have an opportunity. I think Chafin too could maybe be a trade chip uh, for the Tigers. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, West or Vest rather, I think probably you know much le- less likely so. So in deep leagues, I still think it, it's it's probably a good idea to to pick up Vest and stash him. I do like him out of the options in this bullpen. Uh, Soto though, he's the thing is that I thought maybe if he wasn't that widely rostered that he'd be a good guy to pick up right now just because he is getting the saves, but he's actually not that easy to find on waivers. So I think this is pretty much a deep league speculation who, who gets the saves after Soto, uh, you know, possibly gets traded. And I still like, I still like Will Vest there. All right, Al, we've got one more closer situation that we want to talk about. We do have a couple of questions that I want to get to also because we got to reward the people for watching us here on YouTube live as we're doing this. This question from Champs Want Ken. Uh, your thoughts on Luis Guillorme for the rest of the season? Rolling Woba window looks really good. Yeah, it does. Uh, that, he came up on, I can't remember now, uh, episode maybe we did. I can't remember, but... Um, yeah, I think that he's been a little bit uh, under-rostered and underrated in, in fantasy circles. I'm not quite ready to think 12-teamer with him, mm-hmm. but I think anything deeper, uh, yeah, it's, it's time to take the plunge there. All right, and then we do have a question that pertains to a 12-teamer from Disco Dave who added Jose Barrios in a 12-teamer. If you do that, Al, if you're adding Barrios, obviously it hasn't been pretty for him this season, how long are you giving him in a 12-teamer before you would maybe go in another direction? Yeah, a long time, a long time, because yeah. it's, you know this is somebody that uh, you, you would have drafted as an SP two or SP three, and mm-hmm. um, you know I'm typically in a in a twelve teamer. Maybe I'm churning my fourth and fifth spots, but not not you know definitely not the two or the three. So I would say at least a month. Yeah, right. The the, the upside side hasn't been there, but the upside's certainly high. And I mean. Who would have thought that he would be like comfortably the number three in Toronto? But with the way Alec Manoa is throwing the ball, with the way Kevin Gosman throwing the ball this season, woo! Toronto Blue Jays, I would consider a bet on them. Just throwing it out there. I talked about it uh, earlier this week. But to win the East, to win the World Series, I mean, this team, that, that offense is going to get right. And with Manoa going, with Gosman going, still love these Toronto Blue Jays. All right, Al, let's wrap things up. One more closer situation to talk about. And again, this is sort of like the Ross Stripling, the Kevin Kiermeyer thing. At some point in a fantasy season, you're going to have to wonder just what the hell's going on in Cincinnati's bullpen, and that's where we find ourselves to wrap up this episode. Yeah, well, we're seemingly there pretty much pretty much every week. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's worth revisiting this one because I think uh, Sony San- Tony Santian might be 
kind of pulling away with this one a little bit. Uh, that that's maybe put, put making it a little bit too strong, but uh, he's definitely you know gotten some looks lately and uh, up to. I'm going to double check this. Yeah, four saves. I just want to make sure I got the total right. Mm. So you know we've talked a lot about our Warren when he was healthy. We talked about Lucas Sims. We haven't really talked that much about Santian. Uh, as a closer and I wouldn't put him in the same category as Duran, uh, you know, where mm-hmm. you could look at him in some shallower leagues. I think this is more at maybe at best a 15 team move, but again, it's been a few weeks since we've really talked about some viable candidates. If you're really struggling for saves and you just need to throw a dart, uh, I would, I would uh, take the shot with Santian. Thank you everyone for being with us here live on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast as we get things ready for this weekend's waiver wire. And hey, even just to you who are listening to the podcast version of this right now, you missed out on two incredibly handsome faces for 50 minutes. So that's sort of your loss, but we still appreciate the download, the listen, and the follow with us all season long. Good luck with all of your waiver bids this weekend, and we will be back with you with our familiar four-episode schedule next week so be with us for that for now melchior i'm michael beller thanks again have a great weekend we'll talk to y'all soon